This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Jim Moore and Lloyd Patrick Jepson for another instalment of the award-winning Axom Bulletin. Uh, Jim, we are going to touch on some of the incidents over the weekend. People will be saying, are you still <coughs> talking about that game? But I know you will have some strong opinions on it. Um, we're also going to be talking about new contracts getting dished out, new jerseys getting leaked um, to such a degree that people have received their new jerseys in Celtic have not yet announced them. And also, uh, a certain visit from Dermot Desmond, which has thrown a cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, every single possible rumour uh, that could be made has been made. It's out there on the socials. We'll have a wee chat about what we would like to be um, visiting Celtic Park for, the two big reasons why we want them at Celtic Park. But Jim... Leading into the game at the weekend, you continually were called the old negative guy because you said the gap wasn't that big. Now, we went into the game. We were four first-team picks short, and we got a hammering, basically, 3-0. Yeah. So I'm going to start off with that so we can get that one out of the way, Jim. Um, did it strengthen your view? Uh, was there a surprise in the way that Celtic performed for you? How long do we have? I know. <laughs> Uh, oh, where do you start? Well, last week, I mean, stewing all week on the game. I mean, first of all, I mean, Ange, Ange has been fantastic. Uh, so many areas, domestically, two really enjoyable seasons. Couple of trophies in the bag this season, hopefully the treble. The big chap's no infallible. You know, uh, 99 times at 100, he gets it right. But that one at 100, to me, that was last week. I think he got it badly wrong. Did he pick the right team? I've got a dead simple view of things. See, if you win the game, you picked the right team. Mm. You know, if uh, if that team had won last week, it was the right team. Uh, but when you don't win, you then start to look for reasons as to why you didn't win. And you start with the team selection. Was it the strongest team? Uh, I think I've said in the past, dead simple view. If the game means something, you play the strongest team. If it doesn't mean anything, you could play Ange up front for all the difference it would make. And there was a kind of narrative in the social media that the game didn't really mean anything. And that was nonsense. The game was massive. Not for this season, but for next season. Uh, the first Glasgow derby of any season is the most important game of the season. That's when you put a marker down. And uh, if we'd have went there last week and got a scrappy nothing each, that would have been ideal. Ideal. Because we'd have went six games without losing a game. And we'd found ways 
to win games, tight, tight games, or games that we managed to get a point when we know right to get a point. So it's kind of like getting back to the 90s a wee bit in terms of, as you know, Paul, because you're old enough, Lloyd, you'll know, that Andy Gorham, so many Cheers, games who dominate games, I'm the old negative guy, I can get back to you there. Uh, you're the not so young. <laughs> so, so there's games in the 90s where, as you would know, Paul, we dominated games that Andy yeah. Gorham, we couldn't get by him. And McCoy's would pop up and score a goal. And psychologically, it was really, really difficult. If we came out unscathed last Saturday, psychologically, in the first Glasgow derby of next season, their confidence wouldn't be that good. Whereas now, they're going to be super confident. And if if we had to play them next week, say, you know, they'd be really, really confident. They'd be worked for it. Yeah. And uh, the other thing about next season, I think, I'm assuming that, well, I know we'll play Ibrox in the first game, in the first series of games, but this season, we'd, we'd, uh, in the first series of games, we'd be Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen and the Glasgow Derby, all at Celtic Park. So I'm assuming next season, the first series of games, we're going to Ibrox, Pedroji, Tynecastle, Easter Road, we've got Champions League football as well. So that first game becomes massive, absolutely massive. And we're going there, they're, they shouldn't be as confident, but they are after last week. You then look at the team selection. Uh, again, I've got a simple view. If you're fit enough for the bench, you're fit enough to play. You know, even if you only get 45 minutes, 60 minutes. So so Ange chose not to play Kyogo and Maeda and Taylor. Uh, yeah. If you're sitting in that home dressing room and you see the team, you're thinking, oh, right, we've got more than a chance today. Uh, Barisic was injured. They've got a young, inexperienced guy at left back and he looks at the team and says, I'm not up against Jota. Brilliant. That's great. You've got Goldson and uh, Suter thinking we don't have Kyogo to deal with and he's been a pest the last few games and if you're tapping here you've not got Maeda you know, snapping at your heels the whole game so they've got a massive massive boost before you kick a ball who comes in and said Abada and I've said enough about Abada this season but he's just back for injury mm. last two Glasgow derbies we bring Moy back just after injury Yep, he's off the pace we bring Hatati back for the one after that He's a bit off the pace. We bring a badder for this one. He's off the pace. And for me, he's always he's either a two out of ten or an eight out of ten. There's a two. And the word on the street, he might be off skate. So what was the point of playing him? You, 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 you played Vata if you want to make those kind of changes. Burnaby, I thought he was quite slack in his passing, but I thought the whole team were quite slack in their passing. And I think I think it's easy to look good when you're playing well. But see when you're under the course, you have to be stand up. You know, I have to be stand up. I mean, he didn't really stand up for me. Who was the last one? Oh, up front. Yeah. He didn't get much service. He had the big chance. Would Kyogo have scored? Well, you know, he wouldn't have done any worse than what O did. Uh, so, don't know. Uh, so, that was disappointing. I think the I think the fact that Carter Vickers was, was missing the shoulders again, that he may not be the best player, but he's certainly the most valuable player. You take him out of the team, we're nowhere near as good. And, I thought Callum McGregor was that player, but when he was out the team, other players, you know, uh, came in and yeah. did a really good job. So, yeah, so Kobe Yashi, but, you know, obviously he played because Carter Vickers wasn't playing. First goal, maybe a lack of match sharpness, maybe that will come. But the second goal, that's a kind of lack of physicality. And I don't know if that's going to come. I think that's a big concern because not much you can do with that because... You know, if we go to Ibrox next season with him at centre half, would you be confident? I'm not so sure. Uh, we played Bodo last year, and I was dead impressed with their three centre backs. They were all big, six foot three, six foot mm-hmm. four athletes, and really good in the ball. And I thought those are the kind of players that we we need for to play Andrew's kind of game. And I thought we like obviously Morris Jensko, and I'm not saying, not saying he's the answer by any manner of means, but when he came in, you know, he, he could have hit the ground running, you know, both ends of the pitch. You know, he was good at the back, good up front, scored a couple of goals, whatever, you know. He'd have been a better bet last uh, last Saturday. And I'm, I mean, we'll see if things work out with Yuki Kowabashi, but when you look at, objectively, the squad we had six months ago with Yakimakis hmm. and Jens against O and Yuki Kowabashi, I think we're a bit weaker than what we had then. Uh, the game itself... They're going to start you know, 100 miles an hour, which is what happened at Tynecastle. You need to get through the first 20 minutes, take the sting out of the game. They score the early goal, and that kind of spooks us a bit. Uh, 
but played quite nice football. You know, made a couple of chances, could have scored. Then we lose the second goal, it kind of falls apart a wee bit, and the comic cuts for the third goal, and the hey So that's my that's my venting from from last Saturday. Aye. And and you've been waiting all week to vent that, uh, Jim. I, I don't think also without hogging the conversation here. I, I don't think what happened last time. I was on. People were saying you're talking rubbish, old negative guy. But what I was talking about was any one-off game. I was talking about the season. Mm. The season is a massive gap. We're twelve or thirteen points behind. Why was that? Because we're able to win those tight games, and they drop silly points. And that's how you win leagues in Scotland. It's all down to the Glasgow Derby. You take more points than they take. Don't drop silly points, and you win the league. And that's how we win the league. And all that stuff kind of happened before Bill came in. And once Bill came in, I mean, I don't think I like the guy. <laughs> But I think he's not a bad coach. He's made some good signings. So in the four four games, I think it was before last Saturday, they were all dead tight. You know, one chance to them, one chance to us, a refereeing decision, a mistake. And a lot of times in big games, it's the team that makes the least mistakes, you know, wins the games. So I thought those four games were really, really tight. Could have went either way. I thought last week would be the same. I didn't expect to get a doing last week. That was, that was a bit of a shock. But uh, I don't think in a one-off game, there's that much between the teams. And people say maybe it's a wake-up call last week. I don't think it's a wake-up call. I think you learn more from defeats. I think Ange will know what to do. Because Ange has been brilliant. You know, you know, but I, he made a, made a few mistakes last week. Yeah. So, hey-ho, we move on. We um, we spoke about it not only on the podcast, Jim, but uh, on Axom.net, the blog, uh, around the fact that, yeah, Ange... Um, can make mistakes, ha- has made mistakes, and you know what? It's okay to discuss them on the show as well because, you know, every single person on this show and, and everybody that's tuning in knows what he's done to the club and the impact that he's made has been positive. Of course it has. But when Saturday happens, you've got to look at the players that were on the bench. Jim, and I'm a great believer in that because there was a discussion yesterday around the fact that Greg Taylor didn't start because he's carrying an injury. Well, he shouldn't be on the bench. I totally believe that. Um and I think there's been occasions this season, you've mentioned a few of them, Hatate, Moy, even you know when Juranovic played left-back, and then at the weekend there where we were playing people who are thrown in like Abada was thrown in, um, where they've not had a run of games, they don't have the form, they don't have the sharpness, and then they're asked to perform against um, the, the, the most difficult challenge we're going to face uh, other than in Europe. So yes, I don't like going into games looking at that, that line-up the hour before kickoff, Lloyd and saying, "All right, so he's made three unforced changes on top of the two that we know had to be made with regards to Ralston at right back, Kobayashi at centre half." Um, and the counter argument to that, I guess, and this is one of the best things about having so many voices on Axom is you're always going to get people who disagree. The counter argument that Lawrence provides is if you're going to find anything out about Burnaby, Kobayashi, oh, then you've got to play them in games like this. So what's your view on it? Because I was very much of the view, Lloyd, that we go uh, all guns firing until the Rangers game. And then you've got St Mirren, Hibs and Aberdeen, where if you do feel like you need to give Burnaby some game time um, and you want to have a look at some other players before the cup final, they're the three games you do them in. Because that this particular fixture still means something, certainly to me. What's your take on it? Yeah, the fixture does still mean something, even though it was only three points at the end. But... I can kind of see why Ange's done it because obviously certain players got need game time going in because they've got a cup final place to play for as well. But you look at Kobe Ashe, Burnaby, were they really forced changes? The back line needs to kind of stay the same going right mm-hmm. on to the cup final at the minute. So apart from Taylor, Burnaby chucked in at Ibrox, Johnson chucked in at Ibrox <laughs> on his debut. So it's, it's happened before. But these guys need to understand the pressure that going to Ibrox takes. And if you're going to make it as a Celtic player, they're the kind of games you play. Yeah, you've, you've absolutely so got to play the games. Yeah. I can understand why I'm done that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you do want to go full strength, beat them and then kind of t- take the bragging rights, as some people call it. The bragging rights over the summer, eh? Three points is bigger mm-hmm. than three trophies. Uh, by the way, I do appreciate that we've not won the third one yet, but uh, we'll be talking all about that. Yeah, there was always going to be a, a situation, I feel, where these players would need to play in a big game, but throwing them all in at the same time, I'm not so sure. 
Jim, you mentioned that you learn more sometimes in defeat or adversity than you do when things are uh, ticking along nicely. And I think we, we learned a lot about Kobayashi in the game. He's a player that um, I've liked up to this point. I've liked the, the signing. I, I can see why we've signed the player. I've also been listening intently to Liam Carrigan, who knows a lot more about Japanese football than I do. And he rates him really highly. He sees him as the future. Uh, in the central defensive uh, area, the Celtics defence. And um, from what I've seen at the weekend, massive wake-up call for him because in terms of the physicality, not just against Rangers, but you know against Hearts, he looked as though he might have been bullied a bit as well. That's something that, um, you know, I, I think you can add that to your game because in terms of his own build, his stature, he's got it. He just needs to be a wee bit more ruthless, aggressive, combative, and in particular, when the chips are down, you can't hide in that Celtic defence because Starfelt and Carter Vickers have been throwing their body on the line for uh, the Celtic defence in games like this, Jim. Starfelt was great last week. thought he was outstanding. Uh, Kobayashi, I don't know. I think he's a nice, neat player. He's good with the ball, his feet, and obviously that's what Ange wants. But I just think, you know, we do need that physicality. And I thought happy on about the same thing, you win the Scottish League by beating your main rivals and, and, and they'll, you know, they play a lot in set pieces and they'll do that next season as well, no matter who's playing for them. And you have to be able to defend set pieces. And as I said, I think if we went to Ibrox with, with Kobayashi in September, October, I wouldn't be that confident. I think they would target him. Uh, he's not had enough minutes, I think, on the part to make a judgment. I can understand. I mean, he, played, he had to play last week. He was the only centre-back that we could play last week. I think alongside Starfield. So mm-hmm. I don't think I should play in the game and I think he'll learn. He'll learn from the game. Uh, whether is the answer or not, I think it's too early to tell in the same way from O's point of view, it's too early to tell. Uh, I just I just don't know. It was so disappointing last week. And and my concern is, is you know, the, the point I was making about I don't see there's much of a gap in the one-off games. I think we have to recognise that. You know, people have said things, well, we haven't shown up in these games. Well, maybe the reason we haven't shown up is they're not a bad team. You know, they're not St. Johnson and they're not Ross County. You know, they've got some good players, so they'll make it difficult. And it all comes down to these games and we have to we have to the right players playing. Uh, and as I said, if Carter Vickers was out next season, uh, I think we've got an issue. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I wouldn't be confident going into next season with Kobayashi and Starfield as the as the centre halves. I think we need somebody else. Uh, mm-hmm. But hey, don't want to be too negative. I know I'm the old negative guy. Uh, last week's done and dusted. There's not much we can do for it. We move on. We'll actually tell after the first Glasgow derby next season how much damage last week did because they'll I be coming so. out fifty thousand mm-hmm. all home fans again. They've they've, they've hammered us three nothing. They're super confident. They've got some good players. I think Raskin's a really good player. And Dusty, I think Todd Cantwell's a really good player as well. I know he's a bit of a pantomime villain, sort of Neil Lennon meets Owen Wilson. But, you know, showed tons <laughs> of flair last week. You know, industrious, never say die attitude. So he's bought well with those two. The, the defence will be the same next year. Look for an upgrade in the goalkeeper. So they'll be a tough nut to crack next season. And we have to recognise that, I think. I'm not trying to be negative. I just think recognising the challenge ahead... And as I said, I think we'll only know that rather than not being a panic merchant. I think we'll see what happens in that first Glasgow derby. But they've taken so much oxygen, I think Bill called it, out of the game last week, get into that next game. And we have to be on our guard. And hopefully the game will be early in the season when they're trying to qualify for the Champions League. Maybe they've got a different distraction. But uh, we win that game, then we're set up to win the league. We lose that game, next year becomes difficult. And what happened last week, I think, is an impact in that. And that's why I was... I'm venting. That's why I was disappointed at the team last week. But, it, you know, discussing it right now, Jim, I think it's really um, the right time to discuss it because we're, we're looking ahead to next season. Um, and during the week, we, we spoke about how in the past there has been a complacency um, in that we have invested in, in the right manner, maybe in the first couple of seasons of a, a managerial tenure. And then it's kind of dropped off. And I don't mean the managerial 
position or performance has dropped off, but the backing certainly has dropped off. So we were using examples the other day there of Martin O'Neill, uh, Brennan Rogers, and someone threw in Gordon Strachan. Yeah, I think Strachan, in terms of the way that he strengthened the side, I felt it was fairly uh, consistent, maybe until that last transfer window where we really needed some fresh uh, bodies in the door and we didn't get what we were looking for. Remember, that was a, the famous or infamous Stephen Fletcher transfer, mm-hmm. Jim, that, you know, we went Willow quite Flood, far down yeah. the line and we lost out on him and we, we got Willow Flood uh, instead. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> exactly. But when you look at the, the final table and, and the actual tightness in the margin uh, of which we actually lost that title, which would have been four in a row, you're talking you know, changing two or three draws into wins and we, yeah. we win the league. And you're looking at the, the amount of times we, we drew nothing each and won each in the last maybe, you know, uh, quarter Half of games, for example. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was really poor. So that that is a discussion point because largely the people who are making this type of call and these types of decisions in terms of finance and recruitment are still in the building. Some have taken a wee sabbatical, but they've come back in a different position and a different guys. They are still in the building. And this kind of leads us to the, the sighting of Dermot Desmond during the week, Lloyd. Um, nothing gets past anybody these days. You know, rumours were great in the, in the past because you kind of knew that most of them were made up. Nowadays, it's uh, if something happens and it's photographed, it's all over the place. So he was in the building. He might have just been popping in um, because he was in the area for other business, who knows. But um, I do find it interesting he was in, and we, we said yesterday that there's two real reasons we want him to be there. We don't know. Nobody knows, other than a very small group of people in at Celtic Park. But the two big reasons are to speak to Ange Postacoglu about Ange's future, his contract situation, and, of course, to talk about summer budgets. And that leads us on to the tagline here, because uh, we are, I believe, in on a massive summer window. If we enter that in a complacent manner, then I think Jim Moore's fears may be realised because we lose three or four first picks and the pendulum swings quite dramatically, right? And we've seen that on Saturday. Um, so I think it's at this point where we're hopefully going to win a treble and we're dominating the game, Lloyd. It's at this point that you really... And I don't mean go all out by buying four £9 million players, but I think you really need to strengthen in the summer. Um, it's not about tinkering with the squad. certainly not about losing one or two big, important players and not replacing them. It's about strengthening the squad. So I'm going to talk to you first and foremost, Lloyd, about Dermot's visit uh, and the two reasons we've been pitching as to being the big priorities for Dermot Desmond and his colleagues in at Celtic Park. How important is it for you that Ange does get a new and improved deal? I think it is quite important. You look at the Brendan Rodgers situation again and how we got £8 million for him was due to the fact that, that contract he signed for three years. So you see Angie's name getting touted around now and again. If MD came in for him, he's only on the wrong contract at the minute. So the compensation wouldn't be as high. So things like that you need to consider as well. Plus, obviously, the fact if it's a decent deal. I think Ange said last night at the Hydro that he's very happy here. So he doesn't want to leave as long as he's wanted. So... That gives you a good bit of confidence as well going into the next few seasons. So if it's a four or five year deal, everybody's on the back yet, happy, looking forward to next season once obviously we get the treble out the road. So It's good. a feel good factor. It's, it's the yeah. right time. I mean, is there a coincidence, Jim? One day Dermot Desmond's in at Celtic Park, pictured with Ange. The following day, Ange Postacoglu's Australian home goes up for sale. Is that a coincidence or is he going to be staying here more longer term than the two or three years that most gaffers get? His home is up for sale. Perhaps so. Beautiful wee gaff. Beautiful See the stuff you know. Losing Andrew would be a disaster because he's he's building, what was he said, his lovely house or whatever it was. He's kind of, he's he's fundamental to the whole thing. You know, he's brought along you know a number of players from outside the world. You know, he'd be, he'd be letting them down if he suddenly disappeared. I don't think he's got any plans to go anytime soon. But we but we can't be complacent. We have to pay the guy the going rate for the job. I actually wonder how much he's paid compared to the guy across the city. I wonder how that comparison stacks up because these guys obviously talk. So yeah, we can't lose Ange. Uh, he's building something special. Europe for me is always the measure. Always the measure. I think you can split. 
I always try to split things into three. You've got Europe, which you'd love to do really well. The Glasgow derbies and the rest of the games. That's, that's, your, that's your three bits. And different teams for different parts of those three bits. I think we're all miles away in Europe. I think we're miles away. Uh, be good to get into the Champions League. Watch the Man City game the other night. And you're thinking, what if we played Man City next season? You'd have to be behind two couches. You know, so... Uh, <laughs> So I think Europe's a bit of a bit of a push, but then again, rivals across the city got to Europa League final last year, so if they can do it. There's no way we can do it. And I'd love to go in a European one because that's. I think these two seasons have been enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call them memorable. Seville, to me, in the last twenty five years or so, that's the memorable season. But for great seasons, enjoyable seasons, invincible seasons, but not memorable. Seasons. I love a memorable season. When you get to a European final, that's a memorable season. Love to have a memorable season uh, soon. And I think Ange, we've got as good a chance getting there with Ange as with someone else. Because if Ange was to leave, lots of bits of the club start to fall apart. So we can't be complacent. We can't just assume he's going to stay here. We have to do everything we can to try, as Lloyd says, tie the guy down in some sort of longer term contract to try and to try to show that we've done all we can. I think the worst thing we could do is not to do anything, sit in our hands. And if, mm. if, if Dermot Desmond was there last week and it was something to do with Ange having a longer deal, brilliant. Absolutely. You mentioned, Lloyd, about uh, protecting your asset. So there's two, I I think there's two uh, angles to this. The first one is, uh, it doesn't matter who you are in the workplace. Um, It's great to feel valued, right? So when the top honcho comes into the building and and says, listen, you're doing a fantastic job, that's one part of that, I guess. The other part is, we want to give you an improved deal. We want you to stay here. We want you to continue building this beautiful house. Um, And you know, that's the first part of it. So you've got to keep Ange happy. Uh, you also look at the scenario that he was in when he came to Celtic uh, already, um, you know, away from Australia working in Japan and then making a completely uh, huge U-turn of a change in terms of where he is and the culture and, and the, the climate and everything else to come to Scotland. And he did that with his family. He didn't do it with his uh, bus loads of um, backroom staff and all that kind of stuff. So it's all about making sure that he feels valued and that, that's where the deal comes in. But also, like uh, Lloyd mentioned there, we got what is still the fourth highest ever fee for a manager. And this is ever when Brendan Rodgers went to Leicester. You know, only three other managers have cost more. I think at this moment in time, the world record is Graham Potter. Money well spent there, eh? um, Brighton to Chelsea. But we, we're fourth in that list. That was a phenomenal bit of business. So you're, you're protecting your asset there. And what, by the way, I'm not bringing that up by saying, you know, if we get 10 million for Ange, it's all right. It's not. I'd rather that doesn't happen. But you must protect your asset. So keep him happy. Also protect him um, as well. Now, with regards to what you mentioned there about Europe, Jim, just before anybody goes into meltdown saying that an invincible treble is memorable, I, I, I get what you mean. Because when I do all my research and speak to the proper Celtic historians, they talk about a Celtic team in the 1950s, let's say, before Jockstein comes back, before the, we were a European name. And that that's what Jockstein did for Celtic. He put Celtic on the map in terms of a European name. Because up to that point, you know, you, you go back to the 50s, and um, you might be able to correct me on this, Jim. There were four different teams won the Scottish League in four consecutive seasons. Celtic yeah. and Rangers, and was it Hibs and Aberdeen, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it was the last time that's ever happened in, in Scottish football, that four teams in four consecutive seasons have won the, the league, uh, which shows you, obviously, the duopoly of Scottish football. But up until the 60s, when Jockstein made inroads, and he'd already kind of hinted it was going to happen because he had some success at Dunfermline, some amazing success at the Pars. He comes to Celtic, he puts us on the map. Now, what Lisbon done for Celtic, and I'm not talking brand, I'm just talking as a as a institution that's known around Europe and around the world, we're still feeling, it still reverberates to this day, the, the fact that we won the European Cup. Yes, we got to another final in 1970, and then in 2003, we got to our third final. And I think you're right, it's a generational thing, Jim, right? So we need to have that that peak of success. And people might point out that we got beaten, and we did. But in terms of the journey and the fact that we went over there and it was a spectacle, you know, this is something that is spoken about in world football, Lloyd. And, you know, you're watching West Ham last night qualifying for a European final. As Jim says, another Scottish club did it last year. And if they can do it, we can do it. That would be my ambition. And I'm not saying I'm 
speaking for anyone other than myself, that's my ambition for Celtic. I think that, you know, we need to do well in Europe. But the only way to do that is to to strengthen the current squad. And this is what I'm talking about now, Lloyd. What is your, I mean, what is your aspirations? Do you do you believe, I'm not going to say expect, do you believe that Celtic will get into a European final in your lifetime? I would really hope so. If not my lifetime, then at least my son's. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those ones where you, you just don't know what could happen. Mm-hmm. It really is. But, no. If you if you do strengthen the squad properly, like if you bring in maybe another one or two Carter Vickers or Jota type signings, then maybe that does strengthen the squad that bit more. So then maybe you could be looking towards Europa League final. So who knows? This is it. I think uh, what you said, Jim, right, wasn't ah, being no. negative. When you think Real Madrid and what they did, particularly in the Bernabeu when we played them, and you look at the levels and you think, right, we're miles off that. But yeah. then there's another level above that. Because Man City I, completely dismantled them. I thought Lloyd was going to say yes to that question. That's why I laughed because he's a young guy as it is. You're thinking, no him, but his son. <laughs> Chance of I go. Uh, I, 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 I posed somebody a question the other day uh, and interested to what people think. When Ange came in the door, if he'd been told at the end of that season he'd take us to a Europa League final or he'd be losing penalties and wins the Scottish Cup and closes the gap to only four points to our nearest rivals, you would think, that's unbelievable. That's mm. unbelievable. But instead of that, he wins the league and he wins the League Cup. What would you choose? You know, what would you choose? Because I said Seville was memorable. Imagine we went back to Seville last year. That'd be cool. And we'd be thinking, Andrew's a genius. Mm-hmm. And the guy that masterminded that gets sacked after a few months of a season. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think he... It's all about Europe. Yeah, you'd love to do well in Europe because uh, that's the kind of big boys playground. And then watching the game the other night, you realise that unbelievable standard. You know, I know they saw this stuff on social media, but that's what, it's marvellous what you can do with £2 billion or whatever the thing they were, they were, they were saying. So, uh, yeah, it'd be just great to get to, even just a semi-final, just to have a run in Europe where we are competing against the big boys. Because, yes, it's great to win leagues and, 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 and cups, Etc. Etc. But uh, we are. If you look at Scotland, there's only two teams. It's a two-horse race. If you can't beat the St. Johnson and Ross Counties this world, then you shouldn't be there. You're going to slip up sometimes. So it's an achievement. But how much of an achievement? But if you go head to head with a nine-track and a Liverpool and a you know Celtic Vigo and you come out on top, you then you put yourself on the map. You talked about Jock's team putting on the map. Absolutely. Because up to then, Celtic worldwide were no more famous than Hibs. Aberdeen or any of those teams, Lisbon put Celtic on the map, definitely. And we're never going to get to that level again because the Champions League is a bit of a cartel now. It's just too much for us. We don't have the money to deal with that. Uh, but there's no reason why a Europa League or the Conference League final. And it's actually just the run. It's the journey yeah. to the final. It's a special European nights. It's going head-to-head with, as I said, maybe the Benficas or the Anderlecht of this world. Teams who I think are on their kind of level. You know, and then maybe taking the odd scalp and getting a good result against a Liverpool or a, you know, Barcelona or something like that. So that's what makes football for me. Those are the big, big nights. That's what we look forward to. And it's great when the Champions League again. Just avoid Man City, that's all. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. No, I know, absolutely. Um, I'm really keen to get your thoughts because uh, although Jim has previously been called negative in the past, I think you raised some great points and I'm not... 
until I think about it, I'm not even going to answer that that teaser that you've given me there with regards to Angie's first season. John, the van driving legend, still a driving god. Um, hail, hail from 25 degree heat, Alanya in Turkey. And I hope you're enjoying yourself over there. Fairly good weather outside in Dalkeith as well. Incidentally, although probably not as good as in Turkey. Matt E, UEFA 8 homegrown players quota. We're talking Scott Bain. We had a... a a conversation the other day there about the, the six goalkeepers who were still on Celtic's books and what we did with them all. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I said Scott Bain was one of the, the goalies that I would let go because he's not contributing. And I don't believe in non-contributing players, Lloyd. Another one being mm-hmm. James McCarthy. I, I, nothing against James McCarthy. I've followed his career since he was a kid at Hamilton because I thought he was a brilliant player. I think uh, injuries have probably caught up with him. He probably came to Celtic at the wrong time. But in saying that, his experience was vital in Angie's first season, but he's not contributing. Scott Bain's not contributing. Seagrest isn't contributing. These are the types of guys I was expecting us to offload this summer. So uh, I was pretty surprised last night when it was announced, whilst quite a few folk were at the Scott Brown kick, that Scott Bain was indeed, I think he was also there, um, was there. given a three-year deal. Were you surprised at that? And what does it mean for Benji Seagrest? Yeah, I was quite surprised that he's been offered a three-year deal as well. I can understand with the homegrown quota for UEFA, but at the same time, he's not contributed. He's not contributed anything since that dreaded season. So, what is that? Is he just picking up a wage and happily sitting on the bench? And Seagrass, you don't ever hear it now. You see him in training pictures, but mm. he's nowhere near that bench at all. So, it kind of makes you wonder if we are actually looking for a goalkeeper next season. Yeah. Well, the thing with Seagrest is, uh, we've seen this so many times, where a player really stands out outside the Celtic and Rangers gym. And I think Seagrest uh-huh. was one of those players. I mean, knew yeah. that he had a bit of calibre about him um, because he'd come from Villa, he's an international. And a great short stopper because obviously he was under the cost a fair bit with Dundee United. And I thought he had some terrific displays against Celtic. Two games he's played in the League Cup gym. That's all he's played. He's not contributing. I don't know why... Because as Lloyd says, he's been fit since March, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the squads, even. Um, where do you sit with this? Because I, I do think that we need to we need to challenge Joe Hart. I'm not going to moan about <clears> Joe Hart. <throat> I think he's brought a lot more than he's given away since he's arrived, and um, he is still undoubtedly our number one. But he needs challenged, and I don't think Bain's going to challenge him. I can assure you disbelief uh, on a couple of fronts. One, why would you give him a three-year contract? Just give him a year's contract, surely. Because if he's not contributing, as you said, we don't know how good he is if he's not really been playing. you know. And if it's to do with having a Scottish goalkeeper, you're not telling me there's not another decent Scottish goalkeeper out there we could have brought in. Uh, I, I just don't understand that at all. He seems like a nice guy. And he seems to be kind of good around the dressing room and all that kind of stuff. But I'm sure Lloyd would be good at Around the dressing room, so give him a three-year contract. You know, so I, I don't. I don't I'll take a three-year deal. Lawrence three would be deal. good around the contract. He'd be good for the socials, and I mean I not Lawrence. on your phone. I mean social. Mm-hmm. Get Lawrence a ten-year contract. Aye. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I, I I don't understand it. He hasn't played, as you said. Uh, yeah, it's a kind of mystery that one. Uh, but if Ange is okay, then you know we have to trust in Ange at the end of the day. But again, it's if you don't know all the facts, maybe maybe you know. And also from his point of view, you think his age, I don't know how old he is, how old is he? Scott Bain's 31. 31. Yeah. You, you thought yeah. you're looking to play first team football, but I suppose when you go to Celtic, you're on a decent wage. So, you know, and, and obviously I could have Hibs or a Dundee United can't compete with the wages he's on. So, but you might thought if you're a 31 year old goalkeeper with a bit of ambition, maybe look for a move somewhere else, maybe down south. But hey ho, that's what it is. It is, um, but it does lead us on to the tagline, a, a massive summer window. And in my mind, this is what I think could happen if we want to um, come out of the, the, the window stronger than we've, we've gone into it. And I was looking at some of the players. We, we had a whole um, section of a show recently where we went through all the loan players. And uh, at that time, we had 12 out on loan. One of them has returned. It's uh, Ewan O2, who had been at Dunfermline. Their season's finishes back in the building. Um, and from the 12, I was of the view that although somebody like maybe Liam Skills has went away and not done himself any harm, 
by getting proper game time at Aberdeen. And he's done pretty well. There was a, a goal in particular that I think we all enjoyed. Um, I don't see him coming back and breaking into Angie's team. So I, I was being quite brutal when I said that eight of the 12 were going to leave. And I think the four were mostly due to their, their youth. And it was guys like Adam Montgomery and Toby Oluwiyemi UNA2, and I think Mikey Johnson, I gave him another throw of the dice, Mikey Johnson coming back. But eight of them out the building, and you're looking at some big inners. So I want to say this to Jim, because Jim, you're a money man, um, facts and figures when it comes to the pounds and pence. If you were to offload eight, and the average wage of those were around about the eight to ten grand mark a week, I'm hearing Barkas mm. and Ayeti are on 30 grand a week combined. Um, oh, and then... You've got, apparently, you know, and maybe we're reading between the lines, maybe one or two of our proper key players leaving the building in the summer. And you consider the money that comes in for those players. And by the way, if we were to get money for the likes of Barkas that we've been hearing, maybe a million quid for Sorrow, a million quid for a Yeti, then you could have a pot there. You add that into the pot of the two big players that might be leaving the club. And then you've got the um, the sell-ons for the a lot of the players like Frimpong, etc. that we've spoken about. We could have a right big pot of money there, Jim. And if you're looking at the loan market and thinking, well, we're probably selling out 100 grand, 120 grand, something like that a week for players who are not contributing. I've always been of the view, 12 out, 5 in. So you're going to be giving the guys that are coming in bigger wages. They're going to cost you a right few mm. quid to bring them in. <clears throat> but that money's been wasted for the last two seasons anyway. So why not put it into um, a higher calibre of player so the squad is tighter in, in so far as you've got less players on your books? But it's actually increasing in number because most of the guys we're getting rid of have been out on loan anyway. Now, financially, Jim, do you think that is realistic? Soro, Bacas, Ayeti, the dream yeah. team. I, you know, I forgot about Soro. So... Uh, you know, pangs, flashbacks to that season. Uh, I know. As long as you balance the books, everything's fair game. And I've said in the past, Angie's job is to replace every single player he has within the budgetary constraints that he has. You know, we love Johnson, we love Fatati, but if there's a better player out there we can get and we sell them, get money and reinvest it, that's what he'll do. Because you have to make the first team stronger. We can't buy players to sit on the bench. So whoever comes in, has to be somebody who goes right into the first team to make it stronger. Because if yeah. we want to compete in Europe, we have to be better than we are just now. As long as you balance the books, I mean, I think these things are good in theory. There's 12 people who could go out, but, you know, actually making that happen, pretty difficult. These guys will be on contracts. I don't know how long the contracts are. They'll be on wages. The chances are they can't get anywhere else. So they may be hard to move on. So, anyway, as long as you balance the books, everything's fair game. And I think a big concern that I always have is they have to fit within the wage structure. You know, we're hearing stories about what some of the players are getting paid across the city. You know, and if they're correct, I'd imagine there's a cold queue of people wanting to be on the same as they're getting. So you have to watch what you pay in terms of wages. But uh, the money's there, and if we balance the books, fine. Uh, getting rid of 12 players, maybe a bit of a challenge. Uh, we need to keep a decent squad. If, if you've done the sums and it's 12 out and 5 in, and that still gives us a decent squad, then let's go for it. But the five that come in have to replace five of the players we have just now. And the point Ange made was about, you know, don't get too attached to the players. And it's hard not to when you've got Jota turn up at the brazen head and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, there were some rumours about Jota going for X amount of money to a certain team. And if that happens, we need to bring in a better player than Jota. Because if we bring in a player who's not as good as Jota, then the team gets worse. And that's mm. an obvious thing. And I alluded to that earlier. Uh, not that it's impacted on the season, because hopefully we're going to win the treble. But... Jens Nyakimakis going and Owen Kobayashi coming in, to me, that's a downgrade. Over time, it might not be, but at this point in time, looking at it, I think those other two guys would have made a bigger contribution in the last six months or so than the other two guys have made. So everyone has to be a starter. If I have a new goalkeeper, he has to be better than Joe Hart. What was good about the, the Alistair Johnson one is we get Juranovic left, an older player, we get good money from him. We send a younger model who I think is a better player. So that's the model going forward for every yeah. single player we have mm -hmm. in the team, including the top goal scorer. If we can find a better player than Kyogo playing up front, you sell Kyogo, get a lot of money, and you, you buy this other player. And the test will be if you keep the success going. Because if you were to sell Kyogo and you buy someone else and he doesn't work out, Angie's in trouble. 
But, but mm. that should always be the game. Try and improve. Try and get better players than the ones you've got. And even though there might be fans' favourites, you have to be ruthless. And the one thing Ange is, is totally ruthless. And they might come over as that kind of curly uncle in the big daft jumper. But he's totally ruthless. And he knows what he wants to achieve. And this season has been better than last season. And the hope is that next season will be better than this season. But the standard we've set domestically is astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. Because I look back at something written down at the start of the season. And I reckon if we get 95 points, that'd be a brilliant season. And we should be there or thereabouts with 95 points. We've got 95 points now with three games to go. And we lost a game last week. Unbelievable consistency this season. And the thing I always felt that if we went through all these records, we'd never beat them. So it's maybe no bad thing that we don't want to break a record because you've got next season to try and... Because yeah. if you keep getting these ridiculous records, mm. it then becomes impossible to beat. Uh, and if you go through it next season, like this season, whereby we come out on top on the Glasgow derbies, you win two, you lose one, you draw one, fine. You lose one other game all season and one other draw. That's unbelievable. That's phenomenal. It is. It is. And by the way, talking about trebles, um, and I, you know, over the next few weeks, we will be talking all about it and giving Inverness Cali this all the respect that they undoubtedly deserve. I just feel that the four trebles we won consecutively, which is, even when I think about it, is astonishing, isn't it? Four in a row, four trebles in a row. But during that period, did we progress in Europe? Did we improve in Europe? And I guess that's why at this point, where we're going for our first treble under Ange, we're asking the question because I don't think we did, Lloyd. And I think that's yeah. the complacency issue that or, or fear that some of us have. Looking at that and saying, well, we won four. We completed Scottish football. Nobody could touch us for four seasons, right? We won everything that they had to offer. But what did we do to progress on the other level? And that other level is, of course, Europe. And I don't think we did anything to improve. Magnet67 doesn't normally get a chance to watch us live. He's got one of the best avatars. I'm not a fisherman, but fair play uh, to you. I agree with the tagline, 12 out, 5 in. Trim the squad to free up wages and build a better, smaller squad, but without compromising depth, if that's possible. Um, and Alan Woods, I think the way we've tried to approach this, even though Jim and Lloyd have not had an opportunity to talk about the game last week, um, is about how it affects next season rather than labouring the same things that we've spoken about all, all week. Um, so, yeah, we will move on. We definitely will move on. And, of course, we've got the St Mirren fixture. Uh, Lloyd, Jim spoke about a big daft jumper. Um, mm. And there's loads of Celtic dads and Celtic granddads out there who are fuming at that because they've actually invested in the same jumper for the Celtic Superstore. Jim, are you surprised you've not got the jumper yet? It's nobody bought I'm, you that jumper, Jim. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right words to say, Lloyd, but they're not coming to me at this point in time. <laughs> I think Axon should buy you a gift. I think they should, should as well. Absolutely. Um, but talking of garments and style and fashion and all that, Lloyd, I'm coming to you because I know you love your jerseys, you love your Celtic mm -hmm. jerseys. It's been a bit of a shambles, isn't it? Last couple yeah, of weeks. just a bit. In all fairness, you know, leaks and then people actually receiving jerseys and Celtic haven't even announced it yet. What is going on? Yeah, you've got to kind of wonder what's happening at Adidas with uh, leaking the socks and the third kit for next season without even Celtic's permission. It's a worry, but I was asking you beforehand because I truly expected, fully expected, as probably did your wife, <laughs> that you'd be right on it into the link and buying the jersey. You did do that for the away kit, which is the two-tone mm. green, which looks cracking, but it's not arrived. No, so, it's not arrived. Are you a bit concerned that maybe Celtic's high hegens have spoken to uh, their counterparts at Adidas and said, wait a minute, hold the bus? Then they send yeah, any of their If they have, they have. I'll still get it one way or another. Oh, now, Jim, I don't know what you, you feel about jerseys. I know that you're you're very much into your That's a young man's game. Jersey's a young man's game. We're into jumpers. Yeah, we're, <laughs> you go yeah. we're jumper guys. Below that age, you're jersey guys. So <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all, doesn't it? Um, it's not Next time you're on, Jim. Jerseys. Next time you're on, I'm going to wear a jumper, and I hope you do the same. But you're more into writing plays, and astonishingly, the dream has come to fruition because you are going to be taking one of your plays to Vegas. But other things are happening in relation to Bendit, like uh, Bratback, and we are going to dial in. I feel like we're doing a, a, like a news section here. We're going to dial somebody in live from the rehearsal room. Jim, you want to give them the big drum roll? You want to give them the big introduction? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, James McInerney, talented actor, supreme. Is he there? <laughs> there he hey. is. James, how are you doing? Hey, James. Uh, how are you guys? Great to see We're you. Thanks. 
Thanks so much, Paul, for having us on as well. No, not at all. We'd have done it earlier, but I think the Wi-Fi reception wasn't playing ball last week when we tried to get you in, James. Are you in Grace's just now? That looks familiar. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm in the home of uh, uh, many a, a good night. Is I'm in the home of Grace's. We're in the rehearsal room right now. They're the, the a castle just away for a lunch, so it's amazing you, should, you could squeeze me on uh, during this lunch break, so that's brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, th- this is a play that Jim and I have spoken about uh, over a, a long period of time, and obviously... Uh, Jim has gone on to write Bendit like Bertie as well. Um, but it's a it's a special year, isn't it? It's a special year for that group of players and it's a special year for the play. So give us a wee update on what's happening. What are you actually rehearsing for at the moment? So it's, it's the show like, like Bendit like Bratback, which is obviously uh, the season when uh, we stopped the, the catastrophic that happened if it, they'd won the 10. So it's the 25th anniversary this year of that season. So we're rehearsing the play Jim Moore's play, Bentley Bratback, and it's basically about uh, what, what's, what, what a man would do to stop the 10, the lengths he would go to to stop uh, Rangers doing the 10, and uh, without any spoilers, there's a couple of mad twists and turns, but basically we're rehearsing the play about stopping Rangers doing the 10 for the 25th anniversary. It was, it was an unthinkable time. Um, Lloyd, what would you do to stop the 10? I'm not answering that after last week. <laughs> Sell his jersey. <laughs> Sell the jersey. The jersey. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just remember that period, Jim. It was, you know, I've said many times on this show, my first game was 1987. It was Tommy Burns' testimonial against Liverpool a team at that time that my, my brother certainly had a real fondness for. So we went to that game. It was my old uncle that, that took us there. Um, and that was the season. That was like the introduction season of going to the games and being a proper fan. Because up till then, you know, you just seen your old fella and all that going to the games. So I was kind of spoiled because my first season was a centenary season, right? It was a double. It was Macaveni. It was the maestro. It was a, a big Billy coming back, the whole thing. And there was so many other things happening at the time. You know, there was the People's Palace exhibition, uh, Wildcat, I think it was, uh, the um, the garden display, remember the centenary crest, the front of the stadium got a facelift. I thought, this is great being a Celtic fan. But then after that, nine years in the doldrums. I know we won one cup in that period. Nine, two cups. Nine years in the doldrums, Jim. And at that point, obviously, you were a very active Celtic fan. I, I think you're a bit of an activist, actually. You started a movement uh, to try and save the club during that period. But it was unthinkable. Every year, no, they can't do two in a row. They can't do three. And before you knew it, it was six, it was seven, it was eight. And it was getting to the desperate levels, wasn't it, Jim? You can't convey that to younger fans. They don't understand. And, and, and part of the part of the play is seeing maybe people taking their sons or daughters, maybe teenage sons or daughters, and they kind of get their head round the fact that Rangers were going to go for 10 in a row. Couldn't get their head round that Celtic were winning things. And that's the thing about fans these days that, you know, we expect. We expect to win every single game. We expect to win every single trophy that's going. And the thing is, we're just fans. Imagine something like Paul McStay, Peter Grant. Imagine these guys... Big, big Celtic fans live, particularly McStay, best player in the country by a mile. Mm-hmm. Lost the league again, lost the league again. Wasn't so bad for people like maybe Big uh, Big Aitken and, and Burns and that because they were at the start of that. They did win a few leagues and then they went away just before things went really, really badly. But yeah, there was this tsunami coming across. Ten was going to happen. Uh, James and I were at the, at the Wim Tribute night the other night and, and, and Chris Sutton was fantastic. He was immense, really. But one of the things he said, at the start, and obviously he did his research, and he said, how the F did that squad win the league? Right. <laughs> and he was right, because over the course of the months, they brought in the likes of Lambert coming later on, but the squad we had at the start of the season, we had no right to win the league. Because they you know, they'd guys like Loudrop and Gascoigne and Gorham and McCoy's, and they bring in Amaruso and Gattuso and Negri and Perini and all these kind of guys. The team is a formality. And it's coming across the hill. And the main character in the play, basically, he's, he's physically, emotionally at his wit's end. 
basically. And the play is about obsession, basically. And everyone's obsessed with everyone tuning into this podcast is obsessed with Celtic. They're still thinking about last week and how bad it was last week. <laughs> Imagine you go through nine seasons and you know the tenth is coming up because as the character says in the way character says in the play, if they win the ten, they'll not be ripping the X for a few months or a few years. It'll be for forevermore. Forevermore. And it wouldn't have stopped at ten. It'd have went 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. You name a number. And that'd have been the number because Murray was spending ridiculous amounts of money. Where he got it from, it's a different podcast, but it wouldn't have stopped at 10. And every time, and, and last Saturday's game, if that had happened, the banners would have been up 10 in a row, 11 in a row, 12, whatever it was in a row. And that's why that season was so important. It was a terrible season, awful season, but we just got over the line. And the bit we go over the line is with 18 minutes to go and Harold scores the goals and then we can breathe. <laughs> We can, this just takes 10 years and we can breathe, right? And on, younger fans don't understand this at all. And it was the most important game ever played at Celtic Park. And that's why it's worthy of a play. No, you're right. It is worthy of a play, James. And you and I spoke about it a few years back, actually, when you were doing a run in Glasgow. And um, we spoke about the kind of genesis of this and how you got in tow with Jim Orr. Um, as well. What is it that attracted you to this play? Is it the, the humour of this man on the bottom right of the screen? Basically, yeah. Like I've been lucky enough to be involved in a few Celtic plays over the years and uh, I've been sent a few that haven't come to fruition. But Jim's one was just, it really stood out. I think Jim's, I know he was sort of new to the writing game, but the way he wrote the uh, structure of the play was completely different from some of the other Celtic ones that I'd had been involved in more like they were always more like sing alongs like just get the fans along. It's yeah. a, sort of a, a rough story, but basically it's just songs linking up the play. Whereas with Jim's totally different coming from it from a totally different uh, a, a different background. So Jim wrote an actual story and the sort of Celtic about this this family dynamic and, and the backdrop to that was the stopping the ten in a row. So to, to read that it's totally refreshing for me and that's what really that, that's why I was like, I want to be involved in this. Brilliant. And, and of course, after that, James, you and I stayed in touch because we, we got you in goals for a Celtic celebrity Celtic team, remember? That's and, right. Uh, and hammered. We did get hammered. And yeah. by the way, we've never played since. <laughs> so we're going to have to get the gang back together and, and get revenge, I think, James. Um, uh, oh, well, at the very start, it's all about team selection. It's all about team selection, Paul. <laughs> well, talking to Paul, which. Paul, Paul had given a wee bit of confidence before it said, just like, no, the, the last time we played that, that I sort of select the keeper was man of the match so you've got nothing right. to follow but when we no looked pressure. at our team Paul our team was uh, they were settled as underdogs because they had some brilliant players that had just finished retirement we guys like had been retired for 25-30 years 100% and by the way I think that might have been the game where I almost broke Alex Ray's leg um, and I didn't take it quite kindly to that. However, I was listening to, I don't know if you listen to Brian McClure's podcast, right? It's brilliant because I, I love his humour. And Jim will tell you, uh, and uh, yourself, Lloyd, uh, when he done the live event in Gracie's, he's just, he's hilarious. And I don't even think he tries to be funny. But um, he was telling a story in his podcast during the week. It's with Tony Curran, uh, the actor, Scottish actor, who James, I'm sure, will know. I don't know if you've worked with him before, James. Uh, I've, I've done a workshop with him years ago, but he came to see the, the Tommy Burns story and he came backstage to talk to me. And the first thing he said, he was a bit emotional with the Tommy Burns story, but the first thing he said to me is, I love the sneakers you had on, big man, in that play. <laughs> the sneakers. <laughs> Superb. <laughs> well, well, I tell you, I recommend, go and listen to the Tony Curran episode, uh, the Brian McClare. But, but one thing he does say is, um, he mentions that game, James, that we played in up at Oakley, right? <laughs> and he said that... Um, when he played alongside Frank McGarvey, uh, Brian was a, a young kid, really. He was 19, 20. And he tells a story about being in the big Celtic Park bath, sitting there soaking in the bath uh, on his own. And Frank McGarvey and Davy Proven join him. And McGarvey starts giving him a hard time. <laughs> he starts giving Chalky a hard time. Um, no bullying him, but just testing him, I think, you know. And I don't think Brian took too kindly to it. So at that game... Years later, how many years later? 30 years later, we're playing a bounce game. James is a goalie. I'm the left back. We had, I think, Rudy Vata, Tom Boyd, Brian McClare. Frank McGarvey's the manager, God rest him, by the way. 
and he dropped Chalky, right? So Chalky, <laughs> Chalky was like the biggest one of the big attractions of the day. He's an ex-Celtic player. There's people paid to come in and watch him playing, and McGarvey dropped him. <laughs> and Chalky says, "It's going back to that moment in the bath because Brian McLear maybe answered him back. He says that's that's McGarvey getting me back thirty years later." <laughs> <laughs> but it was all great fun. James, tell me, who joins you on stage? On Because it's a real talented cast you've got there, isn't it? Yeah, I, but we're uh, fortunate enough to have uh, the, the magic Laurie Ventry, who's now a, a regular in River City, but Laurie's CV, Laurie plays the main character Jim has mentioned, Tam Lines, and Laurie, has, he tells a brilliant story, and he's, he's, he's really modest, but he tells a brilliant story. He, he, worked from, he was working for six weeks with Martin Scorsese, on gangs in New York and Rome, and he says, and I got a phone call from the agent because uh, I was lucky enough to go straight into another job, the Basil Brush Show. <laughs> so, so, that, so that's the kind of range Laurie's got. So what, did, wait a minute, what was his role in Basil Brush? He, he did 48 episodes and he played, he says, 63 different parts. Dear me. Uh, Dear and none, me. Of, and none, none of them were the hand that operates Basil. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Superb. So, we, so, so we've got Laurie and almost rhyming slang we've got a girl called Maury Christians uh, who's come in who's like, who I think worked with Jim on one of the versions of Bend at Liberty and Maury's great mm. as well because Maury's got the hardest job because she's sort of she's come in to take over from uh, wee Kira who I think we've had on, we've had on the show before as well Paul uh, or we've done a photo shoot with her for the Celtic State of Mind so Maury's got the sort of hard show she needs to sort of try and fit into what, the madness what me and Laurie have created <laughs> Superb. Give us some dates. Tell us where we can come and watch the show as well, James. So the first one coming up is uh, next Saturday, and it's in Corby, which I'd never heard of before. Which is uh, it's called Little Scotland, and I thought that was just sort of I was like, people always say that. But when I drove down to sort of check out the theatre last week, I got out of the car in the sort of car park in the theatre, and this older guy came up. He's like, "Big man, if you get changed for the the, the park machine, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. The first person I met after driving five and a half hours." a Scottish guy so that's our first show in the, the Corby Cube Theatre down there on the 27th of May and then our next shows are at the Kerrydale Suite at Celtic Park on the 23rd of June and the 24th there's a night show on the 23rd and two performances on Saturday the 24th of June in the Kerrydale Suite Brilliant. What we'll do, James, we'll share the links under this video and also on the socials as well. It's a, an right. absolute pleasure to have you on the show. We need to get you back between the sticks as well for the next Axom game. And uh, please, everybody go along. Uh, you really will enjoy yourself at Bend It Like Brabback. Thanks for joining us, James McInerney. Thanks so much, Paul. Thanks, boys. See you later. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Here's a question for you, Paul. Right. So we'll be back trivia. Haven't asked you this question before. Right. Lloyd is too young for this one. Right. <laughs> I better get this so, right. I'll give you five seconds. I'm not going to give you five seconds. I'm not right. going to so, look. I won't Google it. Right. What I spoke about earlier is how you win leagues in Scotland. Right. And you'll know the fact that, you know, that Wim Janssen's team didn't put as many points in the board as Tommy Burns' team in the previous two seasons. Yeah. I still managed to win the league. Five seconds in the 1997-98 season in the league, mm -hmm. how many points did Celtic drop Five, four, three, two, one. And you take your answer now? 18. 34. Wow. 34 points, eight draws, six defeats. Right. So you then, if you're Todd Cantwell, you say, well, did you win it or did we lose it? <laughs> yeah. But the six defeats, that's the thing. Winning a league with six defeats, that's unthinkable under mm -hmm. the current Can look at the Glasgow situation. Dark, or old firms it was called back then, they won two, we won one and we drew one. You know, so it was the it was the games against you know the known old firm, as it was called back then, that cost them the league, basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was a it was a momentous season, uh, for lots of different reasons, but it was two teams that kept chucking it away. Whether that was the nerves or not, who knows? But it was a fascinating season, fascinating. So come along to see Ben like Bradback, Kerry Dale Street end of June and Corby Hi. if you're in the area. And we're going to put the links, as I say, underneath this video, Jim. Uh, one last thing before I forget. Uh, I bumped into a big pal of mine this morning when I was dropping the wee guy off at school, Marco Ciccarella, also known as Chico, uh, from Kincardine. Big shout out to Marco. Um, another goalkeeper, actually. So the day for goalies. Lloyd, where did you play when you played football? Were you a goalie as well? I did actually play in goals for the school team, eh? Wow. Jim, you were, you were a, 
a fullback. I'm, I'm guessing an overlapping fullback. Nah, I was I was a kind of a Simon Donnelly type of player. I think that kind of forward, low centre of gravity, scores goals fast. A bit like Gordon He's Strachan. A bit like Gordon Strachan. I'm not saying anything about that. Right. <laughs> You're going to say something next. I'm not. I definitely will not. Listen, we've got a game, obviously, um, and it's an opportunity this weekend for Celtic fans to finally celebrate at Celtic Park. The fact that we've won the league. I know that uh, many thousands, Lloyd included, went up to the park after we're at the league up against Hearts, but we will have the opportunity to do it uh, properly tomorrow. There's going to be half a dozen Axom um you won't recognise their faces from the show, but they're Axomers and they're going to be dressed in the, the canary yellow shamrock tracksuit tops in and around Celtic Park. Go and say hello to them. They will be distributing some flyers for our upcoming shows with Jackie a week today and um, Gordon Strachan, who will be appearing next month. And apparently he was one of the stars of the show last night as well. One final question for you guys, and it's not a quiz, so I'm not going to count down because that's what really threw me when, when he started doing the countdown there, Lloyd. Oh, um, mm, we're, we're playing St Mirren tomorrow. Do we revert to the strongest possible lineup in so far as you start Kyogo, you start Maeda, you start Taylor? I would start the same team as last week. Get it out of them system, see if they've got something yeah. to prove. Yep. Yep. No, Jim? I'm the opposite. No, I think I think because of the cup final coming up, I think the players have to be match ready for that. And although there is genuinely nothing at stake tomorrow, I would play Kyogo, Maeda, Taylor just for maybe for the first half or sixty minutes, so that and do that for the next three games, just so they've got match fitness up to the final. Because one of the things Inverness might struggle with the fact that they've got no competitive football for a whole month. So I think we have to keep our guys match fit, but we not push them too much. Yeah, well, it will be interesting. As I say, the Axomers will be in force. Go and say hello to them. Um, and I've got to thank every single person for tuning in on a daily basis. It's astonishing. Uh, we started doing the streams three years ago. I wasn't sure if we were going to continue them post-lockdown, uh, but there has been an appetite. So thanks, everybody, for continuing. Um, we get loads of really positive messages from people uh, on the social media channels and uh, via email. If you ever want to email me, it's pauljohndykes at gmail.com. It's great to hear from people who have made Axon part of their day, part of their routine. It's quite humbling to hear that. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved. If you like what we do, give us a big thumbs up. I think we were one away from 21.7 thousand subscribers on YouTube. So if you haven't done so already, give us a wee subscribe as well. All that's left for me to say, Lloyd and Jim, thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.